As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Jade and Simone, and this is the Twin Setters Podcast. The Twin Setters Podcast covers everything from girl talk to girl boss. We use our life experiences and passions to inspire purpose in others. Welcome back to another episode of the Twin Setters Podcast. Me and Simone are super excited that you are joining us today, and to start us off, we got to talk about the beauty item that we are wearing right now that we are obsessed with. So Simone, tell us, what are you loving right now? Yeah. So, you know, I think you guys can probably get the gist that when there is no video, there's not really a lot of makeup going on. So this week <laughs> I am actually deep conditioning while doing this podcast. Um, and so basically, um, if you guys have seen photos of me recently, I have very blonde hair, especially for curly hair. Um, and so I have to do a lot of work to maintain that, the integrity of my hair to basically try to bring life back to it all the time. So um, tomorrow I'll be going to get a trim and press. And before I do that, I need a treatment. And so this week I'm using the Shea Moisture Manuka Honey and Yogurt Hydrate and Repair Protein Power Treatment with Mephora and Bobab oils, Bobab, Bobab oils. Um, <laughs> supposed to strengthen and protect uh, for extremely dry and brittle hair. And I'm not going to lie, when I see extremely dry and brittle hair, that makes me kind of sad because I don't think my hair is that bad. But either way, <laughs> I needed a powerful uh, situation going on. So here we are. That one's good, too. I've used that before. That collection is really good if you are in need of some protein, um, especially if you are like coloring your hair or heat styling. That's the main thing that you're losing on top of losing moisture. You, you, you're also losing, especially with coloring, a lot of protein. And we were actually talking about this yesterday because mm -hmm. I was telling Simone about some other products that I think that she would really like for her hair. And she was like, oh, I'm trying to um, get my hair to be trained again so that it'll like 
straight in better. And I'm like, Simone, that's actually not a thing. Like you can't heat train your I hair. I had no idea. <laughs> like I feel like heat trained hair or heat training is a whole thing that I thought was an actual term. No, it is. A lot of people say that. (laughs) A lot of people say it, but it is like a myth that all it is, is that your hair is either getting continuously damaged. And then once you continuously do that, it's responding. So if your hair is straightening better, quote unquote, it only means that your curl is, or your texture is just more relaxed because the bonds, the protein bonds in your hair are breaking down. So is is really not like a great thing but i say that to say when you are when you have that situation happening you need protein and moisture your optimum your optimum hair results whether you're wearing your hair natural or pressed out is a good balance of protein and moisture you got to have both and when you color and do different things to manipulate your hair you're losing one or the other or both and so that treatment that Simone's using is actually a great um is actually a great example of a protein and moisture deep treatment that's going to do both And like Simone said, we are not on video today, so we are very bare, okay? So the thing that I'm obsessed with right now is the fresh sugar hydrating lip balm in watermelon. I recently recorded a masking and chatting video with my husband, Mark, where we used a ton of watermelon skincare items. And I mean, I've never, I mean, okay, hold on. I love watermelon. Let's just put that out there first. I love watermelon. Anything watermelon flavored or themed, I'm obsessed with. And so we use yeah, all these anytime different. Anytime I go to anytime I go to Jade and Mark's house, we are having margarita, mar- margarita, margaritas. <laughs> that too. Uh, watermelon margaritas. We are having watermelon fake cocktail that Mark just made up because Jade loves watermelon. <laughs> if we go to the store, we pass by watermelon juice. It is being purchased so we can yes. make said <laughs> fake cocktail that doesn't actually exist. But it always tastes so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They are watermelon fiends over there. Listen, the God bolts love watermelon. So anyway, I just had to throw it out there that we are watermelon obsessed and this sugar lip balm from fresh is giving me all the watermelon vibes that I need. All right, y'all. So this week we're talking all about motherhood and the fact that quite frankly neither one of us planned our beautiful babies so jade did motherhood look the way you envisioned it uh (laughs) i feel like i had no idea like just purely no idea what motherhood was actually going to be like Mm -hmm. i always knew i wanted to be a mom but i never actually thought about what kind of mom I would be in a real way. Like there were certain things that I knew like, oh, I'm not going to do that with my kids or, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. definitely doing this for my kids. But outside of that, you know, I didn't really understand what it would be like on a day-to-day basis to be a mom and how much truly, how much it was going to change my whole life. I heard it. People told me that, but I I could not have imagined how much it would change me as a person. Um, So yeah, that's, it it definitely was not what I envisioned because my vision was so much smaller than what it actually came to be. 
what about you? How did, how did motherhood change or did you have an idea of what you would be like as a mom? And was that the same, different? Like, where do you stand on that? Yeah. I mean, similar to you, I, I had no idea what I would be like as a mom, like the mom version of Simone. I think there are some people out there who are just like naturally like super nurturing people. And so like, I can think of, you know, a couple friends that I like knew would be great moms, you know, they almost had that like motherly vibe even before their moms. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe people, and maybe they don't think of it for themselves, but I know like, I don't know. I just feel like there's certain people out there who are like, you can tell they've been waiting so long to have a kid and like, you know, they talk about different things and maybe they take care of their nieces and nephews a lot or whatever. Right. Um, I didn't really have a lot of that. I also think the timing of when I had Kaya was, you know, I was very career focused. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what it would be like to have a kid. It wasn't even front of mind by any means. And even growing up, I never really like fantasized about it. I just knew I wanted kids, but I never fantasized about what it would, what, what it would be like, or quite frankly, what I would be like. Um, but I think, you know, getting into it, everything is unknown. That's the one thing that like people, for me, people would say, and you really didn't feel it until you got there, which is like, I just felt like every step of the way, especially labor, it was just like, you literally don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. And I feel that's a lot of like what life is like with a toddler. So <laughs> it's always just bracing yourself for, you know, not knowing something and it being okay that you don't know. And like, right. yeah, because no one, no one freaking knows, yeah. honestly. Like, you know, it was funny. We were talking about that even with like um, my friends about like work and how like at a certain point in your career, you start to realize and remember, well, not really remember, but you start to realize like, it's all a scam. No one <laughs> knows what they're doing. Exactly. Nobody. Like everybody it, like, tries truly. to act like they know, but Man. they really don't. No. We're all winging it. Exactly. We're all making the best of it. We're all doing our best. And so I think that's why like, you know, on this podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of things through our own stories um, to help, you know, give you advice. But like, obviously, you know, we didn't know ish when we were going through it to begin with. So, you know, it's just lessons learned. And so if we can help you skip a lesson to be learned. That'd be great. Um, but if not, you know, at least, you know, you're not the only one going through that same situation because exactly. yeah, no one has the master plan. Well, I mean, other than the Lord himself, but <laughs> Yeah. So in this episode, we're really going to kind of dive in deep into just like how it felt for us at the time when we found out we were pregnant. Because obviously, like Simone just said earlier, you know, we both got pregnant before marriage. Obviously, now I'm married, but Simone isn't. And so we're going to really talk about kind of how we're navigating life with that you know, experience and how you can transition if you are in a place of feeling bad about your situation or anything like that or feeling guilty. We want to get you to a place where you get a little bit of confidence in the transition. You get a little bit, you go from being, you go from feeling shame about where you're at and transitioning to being confident about where you're at, no matter where you're at. So that's the goal of this episode. And so let's hop right in. 
So before I had Kaya, I was in Philadelphia for a few years. I had moved uh, here with my company and my boyfriend at the time. And so my boyfriend and I had been together for, at that point, I think it was like five or six years um, from high school through college. Then now we're like first, second year out of, um, actually, you know what? Just kidding. 2017 was later than that. So like scratch that. We were probably at around nine years of being together by that point because we had gone through high school, college and then like early career because we were both, uh, you know, like three or four years out of college by that point. Um, So by just from general like age perspective, like we weren't super young. It wasn't like the um, you know, 16 and you're pregnant situation. And even though I wasn't that young, I still felt that same vibe when I figured out that I was pregnant. It literally transitioned me into this like 16 year old self of like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but in actuality, I was <laughs> 26 years old with a good job with a good baby daddy who also had a good job and was a good person. And we lived together and like, we were already on the trajectory of being together, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it wasn't, from that standpoint, I was blessed to have support. Um, but you know, again, like we got pregnant before we were married, before we were engaged. Um, and so, you know, after that first initial shock of like, Oh crap, um, this was unplanned. This is not supposed to happen. Um, I think, you know, it, it really did work out. I think at the end of the day, I couldn't have picked a better person to have my Kaya with regardless of the status of our own relationship. So I know again, like super blessed on that front. Um, but like, you know, co-parenting and, you know, going through the ins and outs of all that can be, it can be a lot. And I think the one thing that did help us is we just, um, kept the same good communication we had from when we were together, uh, to, to, you know, after we broke up. Um, one thing I think that happens a lot is like, oh, you know, you have the baby and within a year or less, you know, things go awry and relationships break up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I would say that sort of happened to me. And I didn't really think about that much at the time because it didn't feel like, oh, well, we're breaking up the moment we had a baby because we had been together so long. So it wasn't really that vibe. But I do think that, you know, like Jade mentioned earlier, um, we both didn't expect to change as much as people or when we had a child. And I think also you just start to be much more aware of certain things and much more decisive about, okay, do I want to bring a whole human into this situation? You know, for me, did I want my daughter to learn vicariously through me about things that she should do or not do as a good, you know, partner, wife, all of that. Um, so, you know, things didn't work out with her dad and I, but I think, again, it's about, you know, trying to do the right thing for your family and do, you know, be positive as much as possible. Um, and I think that's like the key to being a single parent, um, you know, whether you have support from, you know, the baby dad or the, the baby mom, whatever it is, um, you have to try to be positive and not lash out at each other for past grievances, things to do with your own relationship with them. Um it it can be tough. I get it. And I think you have to just do your best to be the positive one. And, um, you know, nothing, nothing is set in stone unless you're dead. So just try to understand that even if, you know, somebody's being shady now, like 
don't completely cut them off because maybe in 10 years they want to be around their kid. Like, you know, just do what you need to do to be sane and do what you need to do to make sure your child is in the best positive, healthy relationship situation. Yeah. So Simone, did you feel like you had a lot of judgment from external parties, whether that be family or friends? How did you, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I had a lot of judgment because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we had been together a really long time. So our families knew each other, you know, knew ourselves very well. So it was almost as if like things were just slightly out of order, but like expected. Um, I think where the more of the judgment came was um, actually being a mom and like some of those first like early decisions like every mom has to make. And I know, Jade, you you felt that too in your own way. But I think, you know, there wasn't as much judgment about um, being a single mom. But I think, again, that's also because of where I was at in life as an adult. So if I had been 16, maybe that would have been a different story. Um, but, you know, I was 26. And, you know, was I at the top of my career? No, but I was a pretty like responsible adult. So I think, you know, it wasn't ever about like, oh, you're having, you know, a kid, blah, 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 before you're married. Um, because people who knew me knew that, you know, me and my baby daddy um, had been together for the longest time. Um, so I guess maybe the judgment, and I guess at that time when I had the baby, we were still together. Um, and then we actually got engaged for a second. Um, so I think it's, it's, it was more like, uh, not really judgment, but more feeling like any departure from my daughter's father was like a much bigger deal now than it was before the kid. So, and that yeah. added, that's where I felt more judgment than not, or like helplessness from, from parents because, you know, nobody's parents are perfect. And so you're hearing mixed, mixed messages. Um, you have your own emotions to deal with. So I think it was a lot of like, just judgment about the situation and what I should do, what I shouldn't do in terms of the, my relationship with um, her father. Um, but again, it's just like added complexity, right? Because I'm still just trying to like figure out how to be a mom and go to work and like be a human. Right, um, and right. so it's a lot. And so you almost like, I feel like, you know, I basically went through a divorce without like any, uh, like actually being married and being able to be a wife for once. Um, so like, I think that that clouds a lot of like, that's, I would say, second half of my daughter's first year of life. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I think that's similar for a lot of people though. Like you end up having a kid and then life continues to happen. And so you, now you're having to figure out, well, how do I handle my career? You know, not going where I wanted to, or having to move homes because something happened or a disaster or whatever. And then you're also like trying to handle a six month old baby. And it's, it's, yeah. it's tough. I think everyone learns that, you know, life still goes on, even though you just had a child. And as much as you can keep that time sacred of spending time and like making sure you're being the best version of yourself as a mom and as a person, like life still happens. So it's like the balancing act is, yeah. is another key. I think we end yeah. up learning um, maybe the hard way sometimes, but like that's, I think, as big of a part of being a mom in addition to like having that human in this life, in this, in this world. And I think for me, that highlights the importance of loving yourself as the person before you look at yourself as a mom, as a wife, as a partner, as anything else in the world, because 
life comes at you, whether you're ready for it or not. Things happen, whether you have a ton on your plate or you feel ready for any, like things happen regardless of what schedule you're on. And so it's like, I think about whenever you were going through all this, um, this stuff with, with Kaya's father and just being a new mom. And it was a lot for you. I think because you are the type of person that just perseveres no matter what, I think you are really giving yourself, I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit for how hard that time was for you. Like you really went through a lot. And I think that it's important to share that part. Not necessarily that you got to go down the list, but just noting that y'all, she went through a very, very difficult time. It sounds to us now hearing it, and even to me listening to her play it back, because clearly I was there. I was Mm. around for for everything. Mm. But y'all, it was hard on her. And she went through emotions and struggles and things that were real. And so I want to hop back into what I was originally saying was this like, you have to remember to love yourself and to find what makes you happy so that you can be the mom that you need to be for your kids, regardless of the situation around you, regardless of what may pop up that throws you off your game. Like you have to have that place where you are connected with yourself and God or whoever you pray to or realizing that it's bigger than just you and that you have to also in that same breath recognize that you have a lot to do with the bigger picture too. Like your mental space, your, you know, heart and where it's at. And, and especially when you're talking about Mm co-parenting and, and having this person that you may have had a relationship with, you may have wanted a different outcome with like, but continuing on, even if the future doesn't look like the way we envisioned it. And so I feel like Simone is like a great example of somebody who is continuing on, you know, and remembering to still remain positive, even through things that could have broken her. Like that really could have broken you, that whole situation. Yeah. Well, and it was a lot of like, (laughs) I just remember having to take so many like humble steps back uh, from where I envisioned, you know, like you said, like where you envisioned your life to be or what you envision your situation with, you know, when it comes to kids and spouses and all that. And like when that disappears or that changes it can be heavy and again like add on the fact that like everybody deals with that but then you're adding on that you're a mom a young mom you know mom not around family sometimes and you have never dealt with anything like it ever before um you know i'm thankful that i you know had a good job at the time and i was able to move into you know my own apartment albeit like that was my struggle bus apartment i will like I'm vowing to work hard as hell for the rest of my life. So I never have to do that again. Um, but yeah. you know, out of the, out of the ashes becomes a Phoenix because, um, had I not like had no money moved into a, you know, low budget apartment, just being with my, you know, nine month old daughter. Like if I wouldn't have been focusing on like that sort of lower point in my life, um, I would have never applied to Wharton. <laughs> Literally would have never, ever thought that I needed to, one, be real about what my potential was, and two, 
ain't no depending on dual income anymore. We ain't doing that. We ain't doing it. And so, you know, you make mm -hmm. these decisions about, um, you know, you're sort of forced into these tough moments in life and, you know, being a mom through them, I think you put extra pressure on yourself to like be strong and like figure everything out and, you know, be in survival mode all the time and clenching on to like, you know, the structure in your life to make sure that, you know, whatever you're going through, your baby doesn't feel or, you know, it's a, it's a lot. Um, but I think um, I, when I started to embrace the sort of like kick down a few notches, I think I, I was given in that season. Um, it's when you start to really learn yourself and you start to really think like, damn, like I got to I got to do this. I got to come harder. I got to do better. I got to make sure that I'm good and my kid is good no matter what, whether he's a great dad or he's somewhere else like it, like we're going to be fine. And then you take your control back and then you get to set this tone on how you live your life day to day. There's nothing else pulling you down. There's nobody else that can control your mood, how you're going that day. Nobody. And like that control is addicting. I will never, ever give that control up again. Um, and, you know, I proved to myself that I could do it. So, you know, I think that's like yeah. I, that's what I hope more people can do. Um, and, you know, I know we don't always open up about it at the time. And I think that's why this podcast is actually pretty unique. And I think in a way could maybe help people more deeply than, I don't know, Jade, we might expect, because I feel like I wasn't talking about all the, you know, darkest points of that time for me. And had I had a podcast where it sounds like, you know, I'm talking to my girlfriends about stuff and they are, you know, just talking about that they also dealt with it or whatever. Um, because I'm not ready to talk to my real life people yet. Uh, I can only mm -hmm. imagine, you know, how, how soothing that could be. And I hope that that is, cause I know if, if I would have had that back then, I probably would have at least been able to, you know, catch my breath a little bit sooner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, again, it's like in situations like that, I'm sure even though you knew that you were not the first person to go through that sort of situation, you felt alone and you felt like you were only going through it by yourself. Like your situation is yours. Mm -hmm. So that's accurate to a certain extent, but at the same time, you have to reach out for support. And sometimes the support isn't someone trying to tell you how to fix your life. Sometimes the support is just simply like hearing someone else's story as to how they got through. Like, mm -hmm. how did somebody else get through a similar situation that I'm going through right now that I feel like I cannot like see two steps ahead yeah. about, you know? Well, even so sometimes think, it's like, hard to definitely. like articulate to like, and, and sort of sort through your thoughts and emotions when you're going through it, because I felt like that yeah. was a hard part too, was it wasn't even, um, that I didn't, that I underestimated like the, the impact of what was going on. I think it was simply like being that emotional and being that sort of wrapped in my emotions is so far from my actual personality, who I am, who I saw yeah. myself as like, you know, it's, you're sort of f forcing yourself to really dig into a part of you that you don't usually have to or need to and then you don't really know how to navigate it so like I know for me I had to like order my thoughts and order what was actually going on and I remember listening to this podcast um, about some I think it was some sort of psychology podcast but it was like 
if you cannot articulate your feelings, you often feel like they don't exist mm. or they're not real. Mm. And so if you can't, if you can't call a feeling something, a word, yeah. whatever, you, you're naturally going to shrug it off. Right. You're going to not really think intensely about it. You're just sort of going to like, you're like, I don't know what that is, right. but I'm a, you know, I'm gonna keep going. Right. I'm gonna keep moving. Right. I'm gonna, you know, whatever. But if you can say like, Ooh, feeling a little depressed today, feeling a little like grief heavy today. Like I, like you at least can call it out and try to point, uh, you know, point to a way to make yourself feel better or at least recognize that you're in that space and start to learn what do you need as an individual to sort of get through those times. Um, I know for me, like my, my whole thing, I, the, the bad points used to hit, you know, at night after I'd put Kaya to sleep, after I was done studying for the GMAT, um, I would cry for a while. And the only inside I started to learn that I'm like, Ooh, like the first five minutes of like, just starting to feel like I was getting emotional. I was like, Ooh, we, it's about to be one of those nights. Let's go ahead, get some melatonin and lay it down, lay it down (laughs) because, I knew all I was doing was not necessarily like shutting off my motion, but it was like, I would get, I would get so swept up into it. And I would just hype myself up because my brain is super analytical, super fast running, super like, if this means this and this means that, and this yeah. is that, and this yeah. is, and it was, it was like not helpful anymore. So I, I started to realize that, you know, I wasn't actually like grieving in a healthy way. I was kind of getting to the point where I was just like running myself ragged, reanalyzing things, thinking too deeply into things that actually didn't matter. And so my mind would race and that would make me even more emotional, make me even more, you know, guilty. It would make me even more shameful. It was feeding it. It was right. It was feeding that like victim need. Like I feel bad and it feel, and I'm going to sell y'all this because we will open up more about, you know, how we grew up and things like that at a later date. But I just want to throw this in there. I think that part of that too is just like trauma and how we've dealt with trauma through our life and having to, as a child in many ways, we are not in control of, of the things mm-hmm. that happen to us. And so when we become an adult, our, our, our the way that we deal with pain and hurt and shame and guilt are still the same way that we did when we were young. And so when I think about, you know, you talking about crying at night like that and realizing that it actually wasn't healthy, it was actually feeding into this um, part of us and that, that I think all of us have where we get caught up in the my life sucks feeling. And mm-hmm. we sit there because that yep. sometimes feels more comfortable yep. than actually trying to step push, out into yeah, a new space and push mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. Like I think speaks to so much of the feeling of not having control of your own situation as a mm-hmm. kid. Like when bad things happen, you got in trouble or something happened, you had no control. So there was no way for you naturally innately to know you know, 10 year old Jade, if you're feeling bad, pick yourself up and move on. Like right. you didn't you have any built, of those. Yeah, like, you haven't built that skill yeah. yet. Yeah. 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 And yeah, so exactly. it's like, I'm so glad that you highlighted like that specific thing, because I think that's such a good example of how you do it differently as an adult. 
Like, yes, you can sit and cry every single night and do that for years because people do. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, what is actually going to help me and heal me versus what is keeping me in this depressive, anxiety-driven like cycle? Because that's what it was. It was, it was like a cycle that you were going through and you had to break it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where it's like, you know, it was my first time really having to deal with anything like that, that intensely. And so, yeah, like, I think that's why it's so important um, to start a start to think about what have you been doing that sort of kept you stuck and then acknowledge that feeling, call it something. And so when it creeps up, you can start to figure out, okay, well, what's my like tool to get past this point for me, it was time to go to bed. Yeah. And I needed a little extra relaxation help, like the melatonin or like a cup of tea or like turning off my phone. I just knew, like I learned real quick. I can't just sit in the darkness. Yeah. Um, that is not, not a good, good for combo. Me. Uh, trying to go to bed. Like it's not good. So I would try to like turn off my phone, but like watch something funny. So yeah. like I can quote any sentence on any <laughs> episode of the office um because i would watch that every night uh as i like went to bed um because it just helped me stay in like a more positive mood um but yeah like i just found these little things that i did to sort of keep me on the up and up um uh, and then of course then i showed up better to kaya yep. i wasn't frustrated when she you know spilled juice or i wasn't um, irritable when she was crying and being a little bit whiny or anything like that. I was able to still be a happy person around her and quite frankly, have the patience and tolerance it takes to have, you know, a one-year-old by yourself at all times. You know, it was a lot, but I think um, I had to fix me first yeah. before I could be my best self. And I just was happy. I figured that out sooner than later. Cause I, you know, to Jade's point, People be, you know, in those ruts for years yep. and I, and, and, and will ruin whole relationships and whole, whole families because you're hurting inside and you won't take the time to fix yourself. And so you then, uh, you know, push that onto everybody else in really weird ways yep. or, you know, you have self-sabotage yep. where you literally ruin the best relationships in your, in your life because they're so close to you that you like nip at them all the time or you're short or you're always like on edge. Um, and you know, you, usually that means girl or man, y'all got some, y'all got some internal stuff to, to figure out. So we just gave my whole, you know, what was me, uh, story about my motherhood situation. Um, I think Jade, we should definitely do a more positive version of motherhood. Now I think <laughs> Kaya's last year, especially being here at, at school with me has been so fun and so good, crazy, but good. And I want to have some time to talk about that. So, but we'll save that for a later date because now we need to get into how it was when you found out you were pregnant because, you know, similar to me, you were not married, but you know, you had a serious boyfriend, you know, uncle Mark, he was already uncle Mark before he was actually, you know, married into this family. But, um, you know, so he was pretty solid anyway, but, um, you know, y'all didn't plan it. You know, you was out here traveling all the time for work, yep. doing speak engagements. Like yep. you were really ripping and running, traveling like internationally on these big trips and stuff. Um, and that was a part of your job. So yeah. obviously the shock of <laughs> having a child um, probably 
felt a little different for you. I felt like it definitely happened randomly, but at the same time, I had secretly been praying for a baby. I know that wasn't the right order. Of course, you're supposed to get married first, and then you're supposed to do certain things. But I truly felt like when I got pregnant, it wasn't a surprise. It might have been random as far as like exact timing because we didn't plan it, but it didn't feel like a oh crap moment. I was truly happy. Mark was truly happy. As we've mentioned before, I am a stepmom to Mark's daughter, Ariana, who's 10. And so we've already been, you know, parenting, especially for him. And so I always knew that I would have a partner who understood what it meant to take care of a child. And I knew that that was going to be an asset for me going into motherhood, that he already had experience um, and already knew how to support because let's be honest, he was 19 when he had Ari and he didn't make all the best decisions. And through him growing in his manhood, there are certain things that he's been able to face and knows that we, he will have to face in the future because of some of those, you know, not good decisions that he made when Ari was younger. Um, and so that's something that we continue to work through and try to just manage the best we can. And so when we found out that we were having Sarai, we were truly happy. And I think even for him, he was excited about having a second chance to really prove and show himself the type of father he could be because he didn't grow up with his biological father. Um, his biological father was around, but not involved in his life. So he had a stepfather who was a dad to him. And so he actually had a father figure and also has another stepfather now who is a great father figure to him. So we actually have a lot of support family-wise in that category. And so I think he was super excited to be a father, again. And I was excited to be a first time mom. I was, you know, definitely bracing myself for pregnancy. Um, I thought that I was just going to be able to eat whatever I want, that I was just going to be chilling, oh, that I, I was going to be, knew that wasn't you know. the case. <laughs> Y'all, Jane was literally eating double cheeseburgers, like every oh, day with gosh. bacon, double, it was like a, a bacon, double cheeseburger, something. And she mentioned it to me, like maybe this was early, maybe like in your like 20 something week before the gestational diabetes. Um, yep. And yep. she, she called me and you guys know, like I had Kaya probably a little bit, a little bit less than a year before Sarai. So, um, I kind of had been through all the things that Jade was about to go through and she calls me and I also had gestational diabetes. So I was very sensitive by the end of the day about what you can eat, what you can't eat, all that good stuff. So she calls me like 20 something week, you know, she finally has a baby bump and everything and she's eating this big ass bacon double cheeseburger <laughs> and I was like damn I mean you kind of you kind of going in on that and she was like yeah like I've been eating one every day because I and was I craving was like, them I was craving what cheeseburgers she was like yeah I've just had like a double cheeseburger every day for the past few days I'm like what the craving was real. Oh my God. It was real. I could not. It was oh. so bad, y'all. I was ordering cheeseburgers from Burger King on Postmates at eight o'clock uh. in the morning. 
Fast forward, I find out I have gestational diabetes. Now, at the time and for pretty much the entire pregnancy, I was distraught about it. I was very, very angry. I was obviously moody as hell, but I was very, very, that was my shock. That was the life change that happened on top of motherhood was this idea that I had to treat my body better. I had to put better things in it. I was not just living for myself anymore. I was living for another being. And before pregnancy, I was on my own schedule, like for real, for real. Like every day I woke up and I said, what do I want to do today? Do I want to film a tutorial today? Do I want to edit a little bit? Do I just want to take the day off? Like, do I want to do, do I want to go to LA next weekend? Like, what do I want to do? And so when I got pregnant and got diagnosed with gestational diabetes, that really was the point when shit got real. (laughs) And I realized that like, oh, wow, I have to not only clean up my diet and exercise a little bit to manage this thing, but I have to prick my finger, what, five times a day, four times a day, specific times. I have to time out the six different times I need to eat during the day. Mind you, I wasn't timing out anything before this. So the drastic contrast between the life I was living before pregnancy and when I got pregnant and obviously prepping me for having a child who would also need to be on some sort of schedule. It was hard. It was like a hard, like realignment. And so that was the part that I really did not plan or foresee. And that was the hardest part about motherhood for me to this day. I think that because it was so hard for me when I actually had Sarai, I was so grateful for that part of my experience to be over that when she arrived and she was beautiful and healthy and in perfect condition, I felt like, whew, okay, I did what I had to do. I, I am, I, I did it. I, I, I did what I had to do. And so when she was here, I was already prepped and ready to eat better, to be more active again, to understand that, you know, what food actually was because y'all, I really did not understand carbs and proteins and macros and micros and no, all no. that stuff. It's all sugar. Everything it's is sugar. sugar. We oh, did not know. Worst. I did not know <laughs> it's this. It's the worst. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And so through having oh, gestational diabetes, I started to really look at what I was eating and how much I was eating and when I was eating. And I started realizing like, oh, I don't know a thing about what a balanced diet looks like. And mind you, at the time, I'm 28 years old. I'm old. I'm a grown up. I'm like a real grown up. And I don't understand food and how it impacts me. Like, I felt like an idiot. But at the same time, I was like, Jade, stop beating yourself up. You don't know what you don't know. You've had all these other experiences in life. It's okay that you didn't get the lessons on caloric intake and micros and macros. It's really okay. And so when I... Who gets that? Huh? 
Who gets Listen, that? Who gets exactly, that growing up? I don't know. Somebody you understand does. micros and macros and I don't even think a micro calorie is a thing. I think it's only macros. No, <laughs> you're my, well, listen, I don't know. Counting Maybe macros, your macros. Is it, you know what? You're probably right. Macros. Cause I know I'd be tracking my it macros. Is, I don't think micro yes, micro is not a thing when it comes to calories. Under your macros, calorie okay. management. Y'all listen, oh I, I had to sit down with one of my really, 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 really good friends, Melik Glasker. She is a nutrition coach and she's currently pregnant. Yay. But she really broke down like all that stuff for me and helped me understand food better and understood and helped me understand what food was doing to my body. And I needed that because it helped me actually just be better completely after having Sarai. So I didn't go back to what I was eating, what I was doing before Sarai. I actually continued on with the things that I learned through having gestational diabetes and this new outlook on life with having a child and understanding that like that child is going to mirror me more than listen to me. So what did I want my child to mirror? I want my child to grow up understanding that your fruits and veggies are important. And not something you have to do, but something that you want to do because you care about your body and you care about taking care of yourself. And 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 I wanted my child to see me taking care of myself and see me, you know, trying to be my best self because ultimately it's about her doing the same thing and her being able to do that same thing whenever she has babies. And that generational link of self-care is something that is so, so, so important to me. So I think that when it came to, you know, not planning the baby, I had support. I had a boyfriend, you know, we got engaged while I was pregnant. We just got married a couple months ago. We are a solid family unit with tons of support. And so I think that it was important for us to both share our stories like Simone and I, because she's coming from a place where, you know, she struggled with the relationship part of, you know, not knowing or not planning the baby. And I am coming from more of like, I didn't know that my body was going to change. I didn't know that my lifestyle needed so much change because it did. Like I, something needed to happen to stop me in my tracks and start operating differently. And it didn't just stop at my health, but it's, it, it, it continued on through my spirituality, through the way that I am with Mark, th- through the way that I am with every single relationship in my life, because I started to look at, you know, how am I taking care of myself? And then how am I taking care of the people around me, the people that need something from me? That was the part that I think I'm still working on today and have a lot of work to do, but it is definitely something that I think I'm excited to continue working at. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of wrapping this episode up. We've talked about a lot. We've covered a lot, but all in all, no matter what your situation is, whether you are, you know, thinking about getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant or pregnant without realizing that you're pregnant or pregnant and you don't want to have the baby wherever you are at, it's okay. You are there for a reason. You are there to experience that thing and show up, show up in the best way that you can with the cards that you have been dealt. Be creative with how you approach your situation. Don't just do what you see other people doing. Think about how you want to handle the situation 
your way and be confident in that because everybody isn't going to always support the decisions that we make as moms. But as long as we know as moms that that's the right decision to make, that's all that matters. All right, y'all. So that was probably the first real deep, deep conversation that we've had on this podcast. You know, the internet stuff we talked about last week um, was deep, but I think, you know, when you start peeling back the layers of motherhood and self-care and love and how you treat other people, how you treat your bodies, you know, we're starting to get a little bit more vulnerable um, and we're going to continue to do that as we continue to release new episodes. We really appreciate you guys supporting us so far. The responses from our few episodes we have up so far has been amazing. And we hope that we continue to give you guys really good content, helpful content. Um, But until next time, uh, much love and we'll check you guys out on social media. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.